Thousands upon thousands of home supporters left the London Stadium seriously early after the sixth goal hit the back of the net. Is this the last few months of David Moyes at West Ham United? Welcome to the Big Kickoff Football Show in a week where blue cards don't get the reception that the lawmakers may have taught. David Moyes and West Ham are hit for six and Harry Kane, the curse that seems to surround him, has made its way to Germany. My name is Roy Shanahan and I'm joined by David Bugle and Neil Dobbs from TheBigKickoff.com. And Dave, West Ham supporters have always found it hard to accept David Moyes as their manager. Uh, this is the second time he has been manager. Do you think he'll be there when August comes around? Yeah, I, I said it tongue-in-cheek today. I, 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 we'll probably hear that he's gone by the end of the day or in the morning because of such an extreme result. I think he will survive the season, I'd say, without a doubt. But, um, yeah, it could be spark at the beginning of the end. In terms of league-wise, they're not really overly improving. Uh, Europe is still there at the moment, and as long as he's in there, I think that's what will give him the state of execution for now. But, um, yeah, that was a demolition today. Um, so if he gets to the end of the season, I think it's a job well done. But this is football. Don't be surprised if you hear something mad in the next day or two either. No, and Dave, I mean, he's gone. He's won a European trophy. Loads of teams in that Premier mm-hmm. League don't win anything. He's gone ahead. He's won a European yeah. trophy. Big night. Loads of celebrations. He's got them. I'm looking at his stats here. 1.57 average points per game, which is around 59 points a season since he's been there in a second term. So he's actually improved West Ham no end, but West Ham supporters just can't seem to accept him as the the man that they want for the job. Is it just the style of play, do you think? Yeah, yeah. You know, the famous West Ham way that they all talk about and Bergie famously uh, quoted in his book, The West Ham Way, coming in mid-table and going nowhere. Um, West Ham are apparently supposed to play a nice brand of football because that's what they do and they've all the, they've always got these culture players but doesn't bring them a lot of success while well, Moyes has brought them success and maybe not necessarily in the previous way that they want to see but unfortunately that's the excuse that fans are going to use against them uh, do I think he should go? Not necessarily I think he's, he's made West Ham a very formidable side and nearly crept into the Champions League spots on a couple of occasions and no one can take away what happened last year and that's where fans can be very fickle and, and, and change very quickly, which I think is ridiculous. But that's ultimately, I'd say, what it's down to, Roy. It's, it's this famous West Ham way that they have to play a certain way or they'll allow for a, a year or two, but eventually you have to find a way to try and play that way, which is it's madness, as we all agree. You need to, The best way possible is the one that wins most games and so far so good in, in terms of what, what, what Moyes has done overall in his, his career. But, yeah, the famous West Ham way eventually gets in the way and is the excuse that's used usually when uh, the fans aren't happy with uh, with their manager. Yeah, Dave's spot on there, Neil. We've seen it with so many teams before who got ahead of themselves, thought that they were something that they weren't, mm-hmm. wanted to play football in a certain way and then all of a sudden they got relegated. And it just, it's a kick in the arse for them. When you look at David Moyes, his contract is up at the end of the season. If he did go, which I feeling that it is going to go that way. If, if they wanted him, they would have they would have hammered him down now at this stage. So who takes over? Well, if they're looking for a change in the style, and I presume that is, and I'd agree with Dave, that's what they're looking for. They want something that's a little bit more attractive on the eye. 
Um, the obvious kind of choice is a Graham Potter type of manager. Now, obviously, he was a Chelsea manager. didn't work out well. I don't know how that sits with West Ham fans. But it's that type of coach that will be a little bit more pleasing, play a nicer brand of football, possession-based football rather than counter-attacking style football. Um, there's a little bit of West Ham that kind of reeks of the Spurs scenario for me where Spurs were, I won't say successful, but they were they were pushing the top four more often than not with the Italian managers. And then all of a sudden, you know, they've changed now to Postacoglu and everything is kind of just broken out and they're they're still in the fourth position. They're challenging. They're, they're a lovely side to watch. So I imagine you know West Ham are looking across uh, looking across London and thinking to themselves we wouldn't we'd fancy a little bit of that. Like if you break down the stats today on the game at Arsenal, which is a local rival, it's a derby game, and they five shots one on target, and Arsenal twenty five shots twelve on target. That's an absolute maul. And so I would imagine that that's kind of where they're coming from. They want someone with a little bit more attractive football. The likes of a Potter, I imagine, would give them something like that. Now, as you say, that comes with don't pitfalls. Be careful what you wish for because Moyes is a very, very safe pair of hands. Um, this actually even reminds me of Crystal Palace when Hodgson got to them to a certain point and they went, yeah, we're going to bring in Vieira to give us better football and they've actually taken a step back before they're going to go forward. So you just got to be careful you get the right guy in and you give him the right set of players that can play the style that he wants to play. Absolutely. Um, well, it'll be interesting to see um, any team in that Premier League would love to be in the European Trophy. So, if they, they want to look pretty, well, they may very well just get that. Uh, Graham Potter wouldn't be a bad shout. I could see him go in there. I could see him do a good job. But it's going to be very hard to improve on the position that they're in at the moment. They're going to have to spend very, very wisely and probably spend a few quid as well if they want to try and get into that top four. As Aston Villa has seen, that it's easy to get there, easy enough to get there for a little bit at a time. Can you stay there till the end of the season? That's going to be the tricky one for Villa this year. I, w- I, w- I wonder where they sing in Champions of Europe today in the warm-up for West Ham and uh, for Arsenal. <laughs> fickle fans, fickle fans. Um, Dave, we, we'll talk about the blue card because this came in this week. It's something... I can understand where they're coming from with it. I can understand yeah. because everyone looks at the rugby and says, Jeez, they, they run that so well. They, they, that's a... That's a, a, a card, you're off, yellow card, you're off for 10 minutes. And it's a bigger game. Obviously, you have 15 players on the pitch and it probably doesn't, it's a more attacking game, I suppose. It's all all or nothing, nearly. There's no sitting back in rugby. So it's a different game altogether. Is there any place for a blue card or something along that lines? Because the likes of Anne's Postacoglu, Klopp and, and many others have come out and just yeah. uh, nodded their head in, in disappointment at this thought coming into play. Well, that's because most of them get their players to do those cynical fouls, especially with 15, 20 minutes to go. Pep Guardiola certainly wouldn't want it because his teams have always been the king of it. I think the biggest problem for this, Roy, is it'd be a bit like VAR. It looks great on paper and it looks but. The problem is, it's the people who are going to be running it. And that's when, that's what I'd be fearful of. On paper, one or two things sounds fairly reasonable, but did they start throwing the blue card out for everything and anything? And not just the two or three things that they said they'd do. Because dissent, I think, is a big thing. It's never worked. Just the captain's talking, the rest, whatever they've tried, it's never worked. They still talk freely and say whatever they want and get away with it. And then these cynical fellows that come out, uh, most of the game, but certainly on the counter-attack and stuff like that, it might sound great, but like, will it then spread out into something else? And how will these people who we have a lot of 
we have a lot of stick for over the last two or three years because now they've even more tools to help themselves and if anything they're making themselves worse as we've seen in a few handball decisions yesterday and now they've got this blue card which in theory might sound like it'll help but they might make it worse and that's the biggest thing that I'd be fearful of so on paper yeah it all looks great and it sounds wonderful but do I have trust in the people that are going to enforce it absolutely not if a goalkeeper Neil gets a, a, a blue card <laughs> for descent what happens then it's just an empty goal is it <laughs> <laughs> and you know what they should be made put an outfielder in goal they're not allowed to sold oh, yeah. to do anything it's uh, uh, it's going to be very frustrating right? I'm looking at a quote here for Pastor Coglu and I think he sums it up perfectly where he said you're going to have one team just sitting there trying to waste time for 10 minutes waiting for their mate to come back onto the pitch why are we trying to add some bizarre rules into an already cluttered game and I like that It's it's so unnecessary when you have a guy sitting in the sin bin, it's like when you got the, the guy gets taken off for the injury, or you know needs a little bit of a stitch or something like that, and the team just sits in. It kills the spectacle of the game. So, yeah, it'll be interesting when they go to trials, what way it works out, what way people analyse it. But for now, I just can't see it being a, a goer with, with anyone that enjoys football and a flow of football. And Postacoglu made a point saying that we're the only sport who's trying to slow down our game. Everyone's trying to, every other sport is trying to speed it up. We have VAR that slowed down everything. Now they're trying to bring in something else that will slow down the game. Again, as you said, sitting behind the ball. So it just doesn't make sense. And, and in actual fact, Neil, would you be in agreement to say that the offside rule probably needs to change where it benefits the attacker rather than the defender and that you would probably be if you were on I think I don't know it was Arsene Wenger someone else might may have uh, may have mentioned it but if long as you're in line with someone that you would be onside yeah I mean he wants to go the opposite way where we're, where we're looking at you know the, the back of someone's heel being the, the furthest point for being offside to keep him onside but your basic there was going to say any part of the body where you're onside means you're onside. So it w- it would that would be a drastic change, Roy, because it would change the way teams have to defend. They'd they'd nearly have to drop a man deep, or they would have to counter. They like to say Liverpool Spurs who play that really really kind of treacherous, I call it almost high line. You, all of a sudden, then anyone that's even within a whisker of being equal with you, you're going to end up playing them on. So, but does that not bring um, defending back into change. the proper defending come back into the game? Because they're all keeping this high line, it's half kind of cheating, and in a way, it's not benefiting the game. There'll be, there'll be more goals, and if you're a good enough defender, you keep goal side and you just deal with it. Oh, 100%. But it will also change managers' tactics. And you look at Postacoglu and Klopp, there's no way they want something of like that coming in because it literally plays to the opposite effect. The reason why they want to press high is they're trying to squeeze that midfield third, whereas now defenders are going to have to go back, well, would have to go back uh, a little bit more old school and actually start making sure they're covering the runs, they're tracking back, they're dropping in, which like some teams still do. It's just, it, it becomes a tactical uh, part of your, you know, almost like a, a piece of your armour when you can step up that high on the basis that if you stick to your line, you're going to catch them offside. Um, again, look, it's something that would change the game, but that to me would be a drastic change because you're going against everything that we've seen in the last two to three years now. And a lot of the more successful teams that have implemented it would definitely have to have a, a second thought on it. What about you, Dev? Oh, yeah, sure. Uh, anything that it promotes the, the attacking side of the game, absolutely. And then, as you said, bring defending back because it's almost like all the other was looking at yesterday. Some of the defending nowadays is just horrendous because they, they can get away with it because they don't have to but anything that promotes more 
goals and uh, more drama. I'm all for it. Okay, Dave, I'm just going to bring something. I'm just I've seen something here in front of me. It's uh, Patrick Bamford yeah. scored a controversial goal <laughs> in their win against Rotherham. Uh, they uh, won 3-0 on Saturday, but he scored with his elbow. The officials yeah. have, have missed it, but they even rubbed more salt into the wounds. He went over to the He's fans and celebrated <laughs> with his elbow. <laughs> yeah, well, um, I'll tell you one thing, lads. He has a brilliant podcast with Joe Wilkinson. I am definitely listening to it this week. That's for sure. <laughs> What's the podcast called? I never heard of it. My mate, the Premiership footballer. So Joe Wilkinson, you know the guy with the big beard. The, he does. He always comes on the funny guy. Yeah, 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 halfway yeah, through, yeah. yeah, halfway through eight or ten. So basically, he's the presenter of it, and Patrick Bamford is his, his has become his mate. So he kind of asks what we would like to ask him every week about professional football, but the fact that he's still playing, some of it can be very interesting and. Last week it was about kind of like uh, the off the field stuff. Like he has his own chef, he has his own kind of sports psychologist that he needs to help reset the mindset once in a while. And it was very interesting. But this week now will be that little bit more now because no doubt it will have to be brought up. <laughs> it'll have to be brought up. I wonder, this is the thing we were talking about, VAR. These are the things that annoy people that something yeah. like this, they could score a goal with your elbow and get away with it. But it's the controversy around it. The controversy around VAR is so bloody boring. At least the controversy around this is 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 definite. It's uh, it got away with it. The celebration is like it's just making people fume. I, I this advocates VAR for me even more. So get rid of it yeah. and let's have that controversy back and and we can go down to the pub and just uh, rack each other's brains about all these situations because uh, I I think it's great uh, great celebration. Okay, yeah, absolutely superb. I love it. Yeah, uh, Neil, you'll never have another hand to God celebration, Roy. Where we can imagine the talk we'd have if someone scored a hand to God goal again. I know it's VAR with, with no VAR that would be one for the pub alright so yeah. we'll never have it again unfortunately you never although know. in fairness Lance we, we, we did get the slap in the face with it so that's why I'd always want VAR because if lightning struck twice I'd never forgive myself yeah, true. we all know a certain bad bad film true, Shit. sorry true. Yeah. <laughs> let's not go there let's not go there ok Neil uh, Harry Kane he's been labelled a catastrophe by the German media uh, for his performance as they criticised a hundred million pound England captain. They said he went missing. He took just eighteen touches in the game and had one shot in their three nil defeat against Bayer Leverkusen. Neil, I watched the game. I think they're using Harry Kane as a scapegoat. Bayern were brutal. Leverkusen were decent, and they had nothing about them. They were all one paced. It's very easy for to, to to have an attack on someone uh, when you can obviously see that there's something amiss here at Bayern Munich. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, look, the, the reason why Kane's getting it in the neck because he's now their most high-profile player. He they spent a fortune on him. You know, you bring a guy a guy in like that, you're expecting to romp home in the league like they always have, and they're in a terrible position at the moment. Where they five points or ever off. Leverkusen are going ahead of them, so it's all these little things combined. I also seen, uh, I would say, a passionate interview with Muller, who came out after the game, roaring and bawling, calling people to arms and trying to get it going. I'd say these guys literally don't know what's going on. They don't know what's hit them. Muller, so Muller's finished, Neil. That's the problem. They've had Muller there. He's finished yes. for the last three or four years. They still have him around. So there's a little bit of, well, we have our first 11, but what, what's after that is kind of damaging us. Yeah, and I mean, listen, you see, you get, they got away with this year on year, bringing in these guys that were well past their best, 
you know, are, are keeping guys that didn't need, like, I don't want to say the league is bang average, it's not, but 19 out of 20 times Bayern turn up to win the league. Someone gives them a run for their money, Dortmund in the last few years gives them a run for their money, um, or else Bayern do the clever thing, the likes of a Red Bull or someone starts coming through on top of them, and then they just go and they buy their players. So, Munich have had a massive monopoly in that league for the last 15, 20 years, and it's done because they just buy up the players, and it's not they're spending big money on the players over the years. They have them all lined up two, three years in advance. And just a bit more insight, just Chelsea and Bayern seemingly in the world football have more loan players out in any other club in Europe between the two of them. They're, uh, they're, they're the most loan players out. This is youth players, etc. So what they do is they send their players out from their youth system, they buy them all up, send them out, let other clubs uh, grow them, grow the talent, and then they bring them back then when they're ready if they want to bring them back. Harry Kane, the fact that they had to go and buy Harry Kane, number one is a kick in the backside to them that they're not producing the next great German striker. And then the next kick in the backside is the fact that they've an Asian squad. They're not as good. They're not competitive enough in Europe. And now this idea of, you know, blaming Kane for being cursed, absolute nonsense. You're just, you're clutching at straws. You're coming up with something and you're, you're practically making a show of yourself by trying to pretend otherwise. But it's a badly ran club the last while. They don't seem to have that, even in Europe, that powerhouse fear that they, they once had. They're going through a bit of a tough time. And yeah, I mean, if they go there and Kane doesn't win something, it would almost be unbelievable. Um, and if he is cursed, Roy, it wouldn't have been great if he joined for Man City that time. And <laughs> maybe put a stop to someone there. So. I think it was Muller who said that it was Pep Guardiola's fault uh, that German football has fallen to the wayside, uh, the football that they have played. Um, I, I watched Bayern Munich in the Champions League qualifiers simply mostly because they were in Man United's group and I watched a the, the lot of the, those games and, and those uh, in that group. They they weren't great. They weren't fantastic. Manchester United, they beat Manchester United 4-3. I think they beat United at home again by not much. Um, they didn't look spectacular in the other games they played. And to tell you the truth, I couldn't see them go on and win it. Imagine now, they probably will go on and win it. But I, I just couldn't see them go on and, and, and win it. Their group wasn't strong. They were made look strong. So for me, Bayern, and you can say it, Neil, that the German league isn't as strong as those other leagues. This time, Leverkusen are there. But how long will Leverkusen be there? They, maybe next year, Alonso gone to Liverpool or something like that. And then they break apart and they've been the laughing stock over the last three or four years. Everyone in Germany has been laughing at them and joking at them. and They're down near the bottom of the division. So... Yeah, it's definitely something that the Germans need to look at as a whole. And uh, yeah, it'd be very interesting to see where they go. Dave, can they blame Guardiola? Is this just something like, we're Irish, we're used to it. The Germans just aren't used to it. Yeah. No, but they need to go back to the drawing board a bit like what they did way back when. A bit like France with Claire Fontaine, a bit like Spain. They're at that crossroads where they need to come up with a new blueprint because all they have to do is look at the national team and the mess that they're in. Um, as well so it's, that's an indication of the league itself let alone so to come out and uh, play Guardiola I think it's bullshit to be honest like but it, they, they might have a point in terms of Bayern Munich but the league itself and uh, it's the current batch of players from Germany are not as impressive as they have been and as I said they've been very disappointing on the national level for the last few years so they're going to have to go back to the drawing board and start reproducing and going back in and, and kind of 
coming up with a new 10-year plan to try and get things back up and running again because if you look at it, it's it's, it's quite messy that they're bringing in somebody who's 29 and Harry Kane and even bringing in the, the enigma that is Eric Dyer. Like Musial is there. They, 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 they robbed him from England. Sané has been there and done that. Like, you know, it's a lot of kind of trying to get the best from elsewhere or or, or around them. Um, so what do they expect? It, it, the chickens are coming home to roost at this stage. But I think it's a bigger picture thing. I think it's just Jeremy are in that kind of down spell at the moment. And will somehow, Jeremy will not go away, but they will come around and there'll be another generation in, in the next couple of years or in the next maybe 10 years or so. But for now, they're just in that spell where, unfortunately, they're one of the weaker of the bigger nations. Yeah. Okay, that's enough about Germany. Um, it's good to see other countries get one over on them, um, and 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 I'm sure England had their spell. They're a little bit stronger now, but they're not taking advantage of of that stronger spell. So we've seen that with Belgium. It'll be interesting now with this year's Euros. Mm. Talking about the Euros, Neil Jordan Henderson, who <laughs> he is set to be named the new captain of Ajax after just one game with the head coach keen to make the appointment appointment permanent due to the positive effect that he's had on the dressing room. Now. There was a lot of slack on Gareth Southgate. This is the media for you. They love to just draw up a little bit of attention for themselves and a bit of controversy uh, within the England camp. And this is one where they they were slating Gareth Southgate for going to watch Jordan Henderson and not going to watch some Premier League games where there was uh, multiple English players playing. Gareth Southgate has every right to go and see if Jordan Henderson is still good enough to be part of his plans for the summer with a view to winning that championship. Yeah, 100%. Um, look, I, I don't think anyone can or sorry, can argue that Henderson still can't bring something to the English setup. But the question is, when you reach that age, you move abroad. To me, his move to Saudi Arabia was basically him kind of going, listen, I'm more or less finished now with nothing else to offer. Now, he's done a very, very quick U-turn on that and obviously he felt he wasn't getting enough out of the move. And now this thing with him going to Ajax, the inclusion of the England squad and then Southgate obviously watching him, you know, that's filling the column inches because it's it, it's maybe taken away from one or two of the new kids on the block that could be upcoming, that could take his place. And there's a little bit of, you know, the way they have their darlings of the media, et cetera, et cetera, um, of who's getting into the England team and who's not. But Southgate, it doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I think he's a trusted uh, kind of lieutenant for Southgate. He, from what I've heard, as in the likes of uh, some of the podcasts of ex-pros and whatnot, they all speak very, very highly of Henderson insofar as when Liverpool were in their pomp, the way he managed to field, the way his voice managed to field, the way he had them playing to the, the Klopp's instructions. But they were, there's a lot of that coming out now saying it was Henderson that was carrying out the orders on the field with T. Um, so that type of thing doesn't surprise me. Uh, the only thing that surprised me is that the media, you know, or sorry, that doesn't surprise me, the media, it's the way they carry on. They love to get in rooted into Southgate or some any of the managers that used to be there and find a little bit of controversy just to try and knock him out or stride. But I think Southgate handles it well. I don't really think he'll be too worried about it. I think he was booed in the stand today. Was it the West Ham Arsenal game? They showed him in the before the game on the big screen and he got booed. So it's par for course with England. Uh, much ado about nothing. At the end of the day, he'll be judging how they do this summer and in the big tournaments and whether or not he can finally bring one of the big ones home. Everything else is just background noise. Yeah, I totally agree. Javi Alonso, obviously after that win, Dave, against Bayern Munich, mm-hmm. as you said, they got five points clear. 
What do you think uh, of Xavi Alonso? I know everyone has kind of said it now at this stage that, you know, he could be up for it. But is it someone realistically able to come in and take over from Klopp? I think whoever comes in, you would say it's going to be a very tough decision to say yeah for anybody. I would find it very hard to say yeah with with 100% confidence. But I think on a fan's perspective, they'll be happy because whether he's good enough or not is a different story at the very start, but it's hard to be in the right place. Uh, And if he was to pull it off and win the league this year, which would have been highly unexpected, he's going to come in with a, a lot of stock. Um, I think he's a cool customer. I think he's been there and done this. Like this is where the bit of arrogance kicks in with the media and everything else. Like he's been there and done it. He's been with Bayern Munich. He's been with Real Madrid. He's been with Spain. He's a World Cup winner. And he's obviously been with Liverpool. I like the task of being the manager might be daunting, but the league and what's around him, I don't think will. In that sense, um, it's just whether he can get a good start because obviously you know what happens if they don't. I don't think like with Liverpool you'll get time. There's no two ways about it. But um, I think it's going to be hard for anyone who comes in. But if he keeps doing what he's doing. It's it's it'll it'll be almost a clamour for him to, to for from by the fans to get him in over anyone else. Yeah, um, I I can see him taking the job. It's again yeah. you have that thing of such a big job beforehand. You're nearly destined to fail if you if, if you're not winning things mm. straight away. So I think that has to be in his thoughts, Dave. That if if I go in there, mm. I'm expected to be definitely challenging. It can't be, yeah. you know, battling for fourth because then I'm going to be seen as a failure. Oh, absolutely. And but to be honest, it's going to be part of the course for anybody. But, uh, and we've said this last week or the week before, like there's not the, the talent pool is a bit restricted at the minute. So to be honest, it, it, I'm not saying it's the best of a bad bunch. It, it's going to be a difficult situation no matter who comes in. Uh, end of story. But like you know, even Klopp when he came in, yes, he like Liverpool were very ordinary. But it was no uncertain terms. He knew we like you know deep down we wanted to be challenged for a title at some stage. And in fairness, that's what he brought, and he brought it to the table. So no matter what, the pressure is going to be there. Um, but obviously next year the fact that the team is on the up they'll be expecting to be challenging for trophies next year and to be honest they should and any self-respecting manager should be able to get them competitive still but uh, you know look it's going to be a funny one because we've talked about this already because there is going to be some personal changes as well so maybe they mightn't be as sharp as we want them to be right from the get-go because there will maybe be a bit of a change but look that's, that's all further down the line but personally I don't think He's definitely. I think he's more than interested. I don't. I'd be shocked if he wouldn't. And it's a fantastic opportunity for him. But you know, under no illusions, there'd be there'd be pressure on, and he needs to be ready for that. Yeah, Neil, how do you think would the fans react to a Xavi Alonso side that maybe were struggling in around fifth and fourth for the season? Just to say, if it was that, do you think that they'd? Back the manager, do you think that they'd be frustrated because of the years beforehand? Or do you think that Alonso needs to hit the ground running and to be up there with the with this side he has, I suppose? Yeah, I, I put it like this, right? It, it reeks of like a Gerrard scenario or a Lampard at Chelsea, maybe, that there is going to be a lot of allowances. I don't think the fans would be too harsh on him. Um, as Dave is saying there, he has a lot of stock from the clubs he's been at previously, the managers he's worked under, and then the Liverpool tenure that he was there with them and, and won the Champions League. So I think he's a lot going for him. 
Um, it, it depends on his kind of maybe the charisma that he brings with the job, how he handles the media. You know, the one thing you could say about Klopp is he, he's, he's, he's goals in front of the camera and always has been. And again, I think that helps managers if they're very good, if they're very media savvy. Now, we haven't seen that yet with Alonso. I don't know what he's like in that regard. Um, if it didn't go as well in the first season, I think you'd get patience. I think you'd get trust. If it turned into that scenario where they find themselves in a Chelsea situation this year where they're mid-table and the wheels have come off, I, I still think it'd be very hard to turn on them. But, you know, nothing's given in football, right? You still have to get results. You still have to back up where you are. And Liverpool, you know, bar one or two uh, seasons in the last while, well, for kind of valid reasons, and almost say players injured, etc., have generally been up around the top four, challenging from the top four. So if he can keep it up there, thereabouts, if he was to come in, I think he would get enough time. I definitely think he'd get the support. I think the initial wave, if he started off, would be massive because you're kind of bringing back one of your sons almost to the club. It'd be brilliant. Um, but it'd be interesting to go. And look, there's no person, you know, look at Lampard at Chelsea. There's no person bigger than the club. If it doesn't go well and things turn sour, you know, you try to do it as amicably as you possibly can. But um, I guess every manager in ideal boards wants to come out and hit the ground running. And um, just as a side note there, right, I was looking at the Wikipedia there on Alonso. You might not have known this, but at age 15, he went to the town of Kells in County Meath. I did on a know that. Man, yeah. program. I did Last know that. Yeah. Learned English and played Gaelic football. <laughs> he talks about getting the shift. I'm sorry, he's a legend. <laughs> <laughs> go on to YouTube and go when Hector met uh-huh. Zabby, because when Hector done one of his travelling things, he was obviously over at Liverpool and Zabi Alonso came out to him because obviously he talked to him about being a maid. And he goes, oh yes, the girls, how do you save the shift? And as soon as he said that, that was it. He's a friend for life. Yeah. He must know the Ireland job is available. I'm not sure fucking take it, but you would. <laughs> well, I wouldn't advise anyone to take it. God, God forgive me. Like, you know, that's, that's way worse. Okay, Dave, Thomas Frank during the week mentioned yeah. that he's seen... Ivan Tony leaving the club at the end of the year. Absolutely, definitely, he'd be gone. Uh, Ivan Tony revealed his thoughts on Thomas Frank's comments. He said that he felt like the manager didn't want him and he can't make clubs come in and to get him. What do you think there? Is this all a little bit of a game? Or if, should a manager actually be coming out and saying them sort of things? Or should they wait till the end of the season? Yeah, it's, it's not very rare you hear that. Like, you know, uh, we, we give out about them the way they're, they say the stock answers and it's born. And then, of course, as soon as you, oh, should he be saying that? You know, you're damned if you do, you're damned if you don't. Tony kind of said it. He laughed tongue in cheek. I'd say the two of them have a very decent relationship. I'd say they're, I'd say they're more dynamic. I'd say they're very much transparent with each other. I think it's fairly obvious that Brentford will probably want to cash in on them for obvious reasons because, you know, if for him to go on another year or two, and for free, and they survive, and then eventually you get relegated when he's gone. I think it's cardinal sin. He is a massive, uh, he'll be a massive want for a lot of clubs, and they'll get top dollar for him. And I think that's the ultimate reason why. And it makes perfect sense. I know Brentford fans might want to hear that, but you know, if they can buy two or three players of real quality and, and kind of solidify their Premier League status, because it doesn't take much for it to go the other way. Now, that doesn't mean it's going to happen either way, but I'd say the way. The, Frank and the type of person he is, I'd say they get on quite okay and I'd say they very much know each other quite well and as he said, he kind of laughed when he said maybe he doesn't want me, I'd say he's well aware of it um, and it was his probably way of saying come and get me as well, there's no two ways about it but, you know, 
I'm glad there's that kind of talk going on instead of the usual stock answer. So either way, but like, look, I don't think it's a secret. If if Tony's still in a Bradford jersey next year, I'll be shocked. So it's just a good plan to get the price tag to rise a little bit and help out Bradford. Yeah, and probably get the ball rolling as well. I'd say there could be a bit of arson around. They may be looking for top dollar. Well, there some clubs are kind of shying away from it, but the Brentford are probably saying no. You have to pay or else. Okay, I'm gonna leave you. I'm, I meant to say this earlier, Neil. If you were looking at the England squad, and I see a poll here in front of me, <laughs> this is the reason why I'm mentioning it. Should Kobe Mainu be called up for the England senior squad mm-hmm. next month? Um, should Gareth Southgate be looking at that type of player or Henderson type of player? Yeah, well, you see, that's what I was trying to allude to that time earlier, is that, you know, the argument is, do you go for the same? See, I, I still think Declan Rice is in ahead of any of them in a six, okay? Uh, Calvin Phillips has fallen off now, which leaves a bit of a gap. So they need to find someone else in there that they're going to blow you would think that even if it was qualifiers or, or friendlies, he should be having a little look at the likes of Mainu, making sure that they feel appreciated, make, give them a kind of a, almost like an apple or well, sorry, a carrot to run to, as they say. You know, something out in front of him that he can go, yeah, Mainu, this is coming down your road. Give them that bit of a boost. I'm not necessarily saying you pin all your hopes on him, you put him in and you throw him in the starting line, but you would think that he would be trying to blood that type of player. Um, and obviously he plays for Manchester United he's at a high profile club and as I said earlier on Henderson is tapering off now will Henderson have another tournament left in him who knows um, but Selke you know he's a very pragmatic manager in the last few seasons he doesn't seem to get um, flustered he sticks to a very specific fight um, but the question for Selke is very simple do I go for the tried and trusted someone that's been one of your generals for the last few uh, tournaments or do I turn to someone new now and have I time to blow them in, uh, in in that graft for the next few months? So it feels like he's already answering that question that he's going to stick with the likes of a Henderson if he's going to watch him and he's in the next squad. It might be just a bit too soon for Maynou to break in at the moment. But, but you, you would think... You try to have him in the squad to see what he could do. Well, I think you'd have to call him. I just, considering what he's done, Roy, since he's come into the United team, he's been a breath of fresh air. He seems... Jesus peerless he doesn't worry about anything you go out there he does battle no nonsense with him he scored an unbelievable goal there the other week so he's ticking all the boxes so for me I would be thinking you'd want to get this kid put your arm around him have it, you know suss him out bring him into the England camp maybe give him a cap or get him you know even if it's just surround him by people and get an idea of what he's like you would feel he should be doing that regardless of what his overall kind of, uh, you know, the, the final outcome what he might think at the moment, I think it's his job as the manager to blood guys like that and give them the feel-good feeling that, you know, after this tournament he might be even saying to them, you'll be the guy if you keep doing what you're doing. I don't think there's any harm in that. Yeah. Okay, we're going to leave it there. Dave and Neil, thanks very much. Um, there's going to be plenty to talk about over the next couple of months. Champions League is back. FA Cup, Premier League, it all starts to heat up now at the moment and then at the end of it, as we just said, we have the Euro, so uh, a lot going on. There is the African Nations Cup on today. Um, we'll talk about that next week. Talk to you.